Can't let Alabama beat you twice. The border bowl is coming up. Tennessee and Kentucky. History says it's going to be all volunteers, but we know these games are never, ever easy, especially on the road. We're going to learn about Kentucky. Lance Dahl, Locked On Kentucky. That's coming up next right here on Locked On Balls. You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to a Thursday edition of the Locked On Crossover. I'm Locked On Balls host Eric Kane with Locked On Kentucky host Lance Daw in Tennessee and Kentucky. Saturday, 7 o'clock Eastern time. It's going to be in Lexington at Kroger Field, and uh, the game will be televised on ESPN. It's the uh, latest rendition of the Border Bowl, one of the oldest rivalry games in uh, the SEC, but in the country as well. And Lance, it should be an exciting one. Both teams coming in with 5-2 and two records. Both teams are, let's see here, 2-2 two and two in Southeastern Conference play. And Kentucky coming off a bye week. Kind of what are the main, kind of what's your feel a little bit of Kentucky so far this season, Lance? Well, I think right now, Kentucky's kind of in a state of like, they've been punched in the gut uh, after a really, really solid start to the season, albeit against pretty bad competition. Uh, you get a big win against Florida there at the tail end of it. Kentucky has just kind of fallen apart. And obviously, you don't expect to go on the road and beat the number one team in the country and the Georgia Bulldogs. But the way that Kentucky has lost these last two games, I think has really not necessarily allowed por portions of this fan base to kind of check out here, but it really does seem like the fan base is frustrated with the job that Mark Stoops and co have done. And he's responded in a couple of different ways through, uh, through different outlets that he's appeared on and he's given his take on, well, if you want more production, you're going to have to fork over more money and everybody's got different opinions on that. And it's just kind of been a very uh, tension filled past couple of weeks. And that loss against Missouri last week, Eric really, really put a damper on what people thought could potentially be a very good season this year. And right now with the way that this offense is playing, I, I don't really know if there are a lot of fans that are excited about the remainder of this schedule, because you and I were talking about it before we went uh, we went on air here, uh, Kentucky's got a pretty difficult uh, slate to go, and ESPN's FPI predicts us to lose out. So right now, things not looking good, not looking positive, at least, uh, for the Kentucky Wildcats and their fan base. Real quick sidebar, and I know this probably isn't fair to the owner crossover, but what were your take, what was your opinion on Mark Stoops kind of lobbying for NIL there in his coach's show after the, the Georgia loss. I think that it's it's fair. I mean, it, it, I think it's the, the obvious thing to say is places like Georgia, they invest a lot of money in what they do. They invest a lot of money in recruiting and their, and their staff and the things around that program. And that's kind of what's allowed them to be successful. It's at least one of the major aspects of it. And I think it's fair to say if you want more production, you're going to have to fork over more money. But I think Stoops is comfortable enough in this spot to know that's never going to happen. So he can just say whatever he kind of wants to about it, and nobody's ever going to really do anything. So I think that Stoops is right when he says it. It's not always great to be that blunt, but also at the same time, I think Stoops understands the fact that he coaches at the University of Kentucky, and you are never going to see any sort of major investment that could be comparable to a place like Alabama or Georgia or Ohio State or somewhere like that. You just simply are never going to see it. And so I think the coaching staff, in order to make this a successful uh, program year in and year out, is going to have to recruit well as best they can and then slightly overachieve when it comes to breaking down individual matchups. So uh, I think he's right. 
it's not always fun to be that blunt and be that just kind of uh kind of harsh especially on on a like a a, a local radio show but you know what um nobody's ever going to do anything about it so i think he understands that yeah i'm sure no one's ever going to do anything about it and for what it's worth my opinion again not worth much to, to the locked on kentucky listeners i get that but i just like i mean i i don't think it's a matter of like is he right or wrong for saying it i just think like i mean god that's just, there's just time and a place man you get your brains beat in by georgia georgia's a good football team i get it and it's like two days later you're lobbying yep. for nil I, and then you to, lose to missouri it's yeah like, yeah exactly like so like to me and like i think stoops a good coach but it's like I mean, Alabama's got, or Georgia's got good coaches too. They got good players. Like, don't get me wrong, but Georgia's got good coaches too. I just thought like the timing was a little weird. But anyway, back to this matchup. <laughs> now that I've pissed off all of your listeners, uh, back to this matchup. Uh, you know, for Tennessee, it, it's it's really a thing of can you win on the road? Four of the four of Tennessee's last five road games have been losses, um, dating back to November of 2022, dating back to going to Athens, Georgia, with two undefeated teams. You know, fighting for a chance to go to Atlanta. Going to Columbia, South Carolina, um, you won a game at Vanderbilt, and then this year going to the Swamp and then going to Alabama. And at least with Alabama last week, Tennessee, I mean, had control of the game, led 20-7 to at halftime. Things were good. The environment was not much of a factor for them where it was against Kentucky. And then there was just the second-half collapse where officiating was horrible, but you didn't score a point in the second half. You got outscored 27 to nothing. I mean, you're not going to win games doing that. So uh, the thing is, can you win a game on the road? Um, you've, you've won a lot of Kentucky, you've won a lot over Kentucky historically in the series, but you know, obviously Kentucky is in a different place with Mark Stoops in the last, you know, decade or whatever. And it's a really, really good football team. Um, really solid football team. Uh, J Joe Milton, we'll talk about in a moment. He struggled this year. thought he had a good year, la good game last week. Tennessee's improved on the, you know, the line of scrimmage on the defensive line of the scrimmage and all that. But in terms of like kind of this matchup, I felt like for both of these programs sitting at five and two records, like, if you want to achieve, neither one of these teams are going to Atlanta, in my opinion. If you want to achieve, you know, a nine-win season and kind of some momentum going into the next year and feel good. Because, I mean, I picked, I picked Tennessee to be 9-3 and three this year. Yeah. Um, so, like, you got to win this game. You have to win this game. So, there's kind of a lot uh, in that regard. Uh, I kind of brought up Joe Milton a little bit. Tell me about Devin Leary. Um, I was so high on Devin Leary. I thought he was going to be so great at Kentucky. To this point, it's not happened. He's not been the 2021 Devin Leary. What's been going on there? Uh, he's been underperforming, and I think a lot of it has to do with this receiver room on top of that. Uh, I think it's a combination of both. You can't really blame one heavily over the other. You look at his numbers so far this season, he's only completing 54% of his passes, which is something I don't think I would have said or predicted uh, coming into this season just based on his numbers when he was healthy at NC State. Something I did say, I think, at the beginning of the year, it's like in his freshman year, we got to see him maybe take a little bit of a dip in terms of production, and that's fine because he was a freshman, but I really don't expect him to stoop to this, those levels again. And, and then he's back there at a place like Kentucky where you would have expected all of these different positive things heading into the season to just kind of allow him to work out. You're bringing in an experienced transfer quarterback who's playing with one of what we thought was one of the best receiver rooms in the entire nation. We are also bringing back Liam Cohen who was really good for Kentucky. It was, it's what made Will Levis look good in that 2021 season, bringing him back at offensive coordinator. And then also you're bringing in a thousand yard rusher from another SEC team. So you would have expected all of these different things to combine to say, Devin Leary's going to have a really good season for Kentucky to kind of close out his college career. And he has just simply not been on the same page as his receivers every single step of the way 
so far this season. He has underthrown balls. He has missed passes. He has just lacked communication uh, with his receivers at times. It looks like whenever they're trying to execute downfield throws at times, he's also been a little bit more turnover prone that you, than you would have expected. Seven interceptions to date, too, in the most recent loss to the Missouri Tigers. Um, only 120 yards passing in that game, by the way, 128 in the game prior to Georgia. Kentucky has just lost any semblance of a passing game here. And it's really, really interesting to say that, Eric, considering where we were a season ago with the fact that Kentucky couldn't run the ball at all. They were probably one of the worst rushing attacks in the SEC and the nation. And then all of a sudden now, the only thing that they can do is try and establish some semblance of a ground game with Ray Davis while hoping on occasion, Devin Leary is able to complete a pass or two to Barry and Brown or Dane Key. And these are not bad receivers, Tavion Robinson included. These, This is not a bad receiving core. I refuse to believe that. I'm not really sure what's going on. I've been saying that for weeks. I'm just genuinely shocked at the fact that these guys have not put it together. And the worst part about it is, is I don't think the offensive line has been particularly bad either. That was a huge sticking point for us a season ago. That's why K Kentucky couldn't run or throw the ball consistently. Now you've got the pieces and you've got the coaches and they just have not been executing and it's something that has really frustrated me, even through that first month of the season where you saw these really easy games for Kentucky almost kind of get, get away. Something that I keep going back to is like, man, this this team can do something like beat the brakes off Florida, but they almost lost to EKU. Yeah. How, how do you how do you have that floor and ceiling? And so that's just the concern here right now with Devin Leary is he's not shown consistency. I don't think in any of these games so far this season especially not in these one the in any one these last three weeks in fact he's yet to eclipse 130 yards passing like I mentioned so um just confused at the fact that Devin Leary has not worked out I think is what I would say you mentioned that offensive line you're exactly right 2022 Kentucky that offensive line gave up 42 sacks that was second worst in the SEC so far through seven games. Kentucky's given up 11 sacks in 2023, so much improvement. Uh, quickly, Joe Milton. I think the biggest thing for Kentucky listeners to understand, if you haven't watched a lot of Tennessee this year, Joe Milton is not Hendon Hooker. Well, no duh, right? Hendon Hooker was a Heisman, you know, finalist. You called it in 20 in 2022. You said Hendon Hooker was going to be all SEC, and boy, you were spot on. Um, Joe Milton is not Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker was a lead. Joe Milton has potential. He has the tools and all that, but the consistency, the week after week, uh, I talked about all offseason. Like that's that's what I want to see from Joe Milton. And we haven't seen that, you know, so far this season. Uh, the game plan has changed. Throwing a lot uh, of screens and a lot of lateral games, a lot of um, you know, at or around the line of scrimmage, and and, and not all that's Joe. That you mentioned the receivers. Tennessee's receiver group is, and I thought it was going to be a strength coming into the season. So far, it's not really been a strength. Um, patchwork on the offensive line at times. Joe Milton's been off at times. It's the whole operation. Um, having said that, you know, he, he against AM, Tennessee played a near perfect game in every phase except throwing the football. Ran for 232 yards. Um, defense had just an incredible game, allowed one touchdown. Special teams had a score. Tennessee just couldn't throw the football. Then you go on the road to Alabama. And Joe Milton throws for two touchdowns, 175 yards in the first half, and is completing 75% of his passes. Like, who is this man? And, and so, I mean, that just kind of shows you what he's capable of. And what Tennessee did a really great job of last week is the, uh, you know, making him run the football, calling some design runs, and trying to get him into the flow of the game at six foot five, you know, 235 pounds. And I, I thought he ran the football so well last week. So that's going to be an added factor for Brad White in that defense for Kentucky. 
It's going to be Leary against uh, Joe Milton. But the real matchup is going to be Jalen Wright versus Ray Davis. And we'll hit on that here uh, in just a second here on Locked On Balls and Locked On Kentucky for a Locked On crossover. Do you want to say about our friends over at Price Picks? Price Picks is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. The easiest and most exciting way to play DFS is just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more or less with a two to six player projection and the winnings can roll in. I've never had more fun winning 25 times my money this football season. Again, just pick two or more players. Pick the They'll give you a projection. You just say more or less and watch those winnings roll in. I encourage you to go to pricepicks.com slash college today. And while you're there, use the promo code LockedOnCollege for your first deposit. They're going to give you an instant deposit match up to $100. What that means is if I put in 25, they're going to match me 25. I put in 75, they're going to match me 75 up to $100 at pricepicks.com. Pricepicks.com slash college. Use that promo code LockedOnCollege. Again, that's at pricepicks.com. And another big shout-out to our friends, LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire, it can feel like a high-stake wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have the right access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs finds the right people for you faster and for free. We all have tried to take a step in our career. We've all put our resume online at LinkedIn. Hopes of getting a job interview or whatever. Maybe you, you are you know where you want to be. Maybe... You're a small business owner, but you need some help. You can't do it alone. You need somebody qualified, and you need somebody that you can trust. Well, LinkedIn Jobs has your back. You post your job online, simple tools like screening questions. Make it easy to focus on people that you want to see that are qualified with the right skills that you can ultimately interview and then hire. It's why small businesses rank LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering qualified hires versus its leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidate that you want to talk to faster and for free. Post your job for free. That's at LinkedIn.com slash college. LinkedIn.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Welcome back into a Locked On Crossover Thursday. I'm Eric Kane with Locked On Balls, Lance Daub with Locked On Kentucky. We talked a little quarterback. Um, underwhelming, I think it'd be the appropriate word to talk about the, mm-hmm. the quarterback matchup. Such... I, th- I think the reason Joe Milton's not been as consistent and Devin Leary's not been, well, quite frankly, to this point, anything is why the quarterback position in the SEC is kind of down. The, two big reasons why the quarterback position is kind of weak this year in the SEC. But underwhelming, I think, is fitting to describe that matchup. Let's talk about a matchup that everybody wants to talk about. Ray Davis, transfer from, not Temple, Temple, Vanderbilt, and now he's at Kentucky. And then you got Jalen Wright, who Jalen Wright and, and, and the rest of the Tennessee run game was you know, kind of shut out there at Alabama last week. Need to get that going. Came into the game, leading the SEC in rushing. Um, tell us about Ray Davis, man. Of course, we all know about that big game at Florida. What else has he done? Is leading the SEC in 13 total touchdowns. I didn't know he was this big of a threat out of the backfield as well. Yeah, I said coming as receiver, into... As a receiver. Yeah. As a receiver as well. Yeah, coming into this season, I said about Ray Davis that I thought he was going to be a productive back. I just didn't know if he was going to be an all like first team, all SEC elite type of guy, because I was excited about the fact that, oh, we got to see him rush for a thousand yards against Vanderbilt. That's pretty hard to do at that school. Um, but I, I, I didn't necessarily know if it was going to translate to world beater over at Kentucky. I thought he was going to be able to get his thought. He was going to be able to, to establish himself statistically. I think that that game against Florida has really allowed him to boost his numbers and I'm not saying that he he is not what he is obviously he got those those rushing yards for a reason and you look at what he did he's doing in the receiving game as well Eric 
almost 200 yards receiving and five touchdowns. He's had a receiving touchdown in three straight games, albeit against Florida, Georgia, and Missouri, where you've kind of struggled these last two weeks. So he's really come on here uh, for the Kentucky Wildcats as one of the best uh, running backs they've had over the past decade or so. And they've had some pretty good running backs uh, here come in through, uh, through the program. Only three games so far this season where he's eclipsed 100 yards rushing, obviously, that 280 against Florida again has really boosted his numbers, averaged 6.4 yards per carry and 128 yards on the ground against Missouri last weekend. So he's coming into this game playing pretty well overall this season, averaging seven yards a carry and eight touchdowns rushing to go with those five uh, through the uh, through receiving. He's been a very, very productive player. And we talked, Eric, at the beginning of the show about the disappointment with Devin Leary and the disappointment with this receiver room about how they've just not really clicked. But Ray Davis has been probably the lone true bright spot on this team, at least on this side of the ball here, where you can point to him and say, okay, well, if the offense isn't going, at least Ray Davis is consistently week in and week out. So I've been very, very impressed with what De- uh, what uh, Ray Davis has brought to the table so far this year. And I'm really intrigued to see what he does statistically with a larger SEC sample size, because up until this point, You've played Vanderbilt, Florida, and then the best team in the nation, and then you've Missouri, and he still was able to ball out in that game. So can he continue the streak of just dominating, I think, both on the ground and yards per carry since? Can he continue to also pick things up in the receiving game? It's going to make him a value, very valuable NFL prospect, I'll tell you that, if he's able to continue to uh, hold this up here. But Davis has been a very pleasant surprise in a year where the offense has been laying a lot of duds. Yeah, I mean, if you didn't have Davis right now, kind of where would you be? You'd be in trouble. And, I mean, the same could be said at points in times. You know, for Jalen Wright for Tennessee, um, the thing about Tennessee's run game, it's not just Jalen Wright. Now, correct me if I'm wrong here, but, you know, just looking at it on paper, and I've only watched parts of two games of Kentucky this year. It's just the, it's just Ray Davis. Yeah, the run game is just Ray Davis. Now, t- for Tennessee, they'll, they'll, they'll play three guys, and all three of those guys deserving to play. You got Jalen Wright, who's the who, who's the workhorse there. He's number, He's the first option. Jabari Small, who's been here a decade and does a great job, and um, he's capable back in this league. And then you'll have Dylan Sampson, who's a younger guy, um, who actually you know was the best of the three at Alabama last week. And he's kind of more of the home run hitter, but learning the run between the tackles and all that, and they'll, they'll you know try to throw him the football a little bit as well. But Jalen Wright leads it, man. And I mean, he's I want to say he's you know top three, top four in the, in the league in, in rushing at 593 yards, 91 carries, averaging 6.5 yards per carry. He's had such a good year, only one touchdown. Only one touchdown for Jalen Wright, whereas, again, 13 total for Ray Davis this year. But, you know, Jalen Wright's good, man. He, he continues to, you know, add some good weight each of the last couple of off-seasons. He's explosive. Um, he, he's he got good vision. He runs really hard. And he's really, you know, we talk, we heard about it all off-season from guys over there on campus. You know, Jay, Jay Wright's having a great off-season. Jay Wright's having a great off-season. And he actually practiced in fall camp this year where he didn't get an opportunity to because of injuries last year. And it's benefited him benefited him greatly. And he's coming on and having a strong, strong start to his junior campaign. Again, he ran for 136 yards against Texas A&M that was averaging 84 yards on the ground a game yep. entering that matchup. He ran for 123 yards against South Carolina. Um, he's had a really, really strong start. Uh, to his junior campaign. So Jalen Wright's going to be a good one. Jabari Small is going to get a whole lot of run, no pun intended, and, of course, Dylan Sampson. These defenses, though, as we flip the script a little bit, uh, first I'll say about Tennessee's just quickly. Um, I thought coming into the season for Tennessee offensively, 
you were going to take a step back. Defensively, you were going to take a step forward. And to this point, I mean, yeah, that's, that, that's happened. You Tennessee was outscored 27 to nothing in the second half at Alabama, but really it was 20 to nothing defensively because there was that scoop and score touchdown that Alabama got on defense. Um, but overall, you have gotten after the passer. Tennessee's defensive line has been really, really good. Um, you know, one of the leaders in the SEC in sacks. Of course, James Pierce is up there individually with with Braswell and, and, and Dallas Turner of Alabama. Um, you know, James Pierce is somebody you got to watch out for. Tyler Barron on the other side is somebody you have to watch out for. But also the internal push, the interior push of Amari Thomas, Bryson Eason, you know, guys like that. The defensive line has been really good for Tennessee, and it's freed up that back end where the secondary was always the biggest question, and the secondary was the butt of all jokes last year. Guys like Kamal Haddon's played a really good quarterback this year. Even Jalen McCullough, Wesley Walker at safety, they've they've been freed up to go and make more plays. And, again, I, I love football because, again, it's all tied together, and the defensive line plays well, gets after the quarterback with four men, frees up the back end. So, you know, Tennessee is um, it's taking a step defensively. Well, you know, this is going to be an in-the-box game. Run fits are going to be key. Safety's cornerback setting the edge. Um, everybody's going to have to help out with Ray Davis because there's going to be tight ends. There's going to be H-backs. There's going to be some eye candy. Um, it's going to be one of those in a, in a phone booth type games, and I'm intrigued to see how well the guys in the secondary can help kind of stop that. But Tennessee's defense is taking a step with linebacker Aaron Beasley as well, kind of calling all the shots in the middle. For Kentucky's defense, I think it's been a little bit of a disappointing year uh, so far for Brad White and co., that was a unit that I thought was going to be fine heading into this season, and Kentucky certainly has been able to stop the run. I believe they're top three in the conference right now in rushing defense. Tennessee, by the way, top five uh, in the SEC in rushing defense as well. So both uh, Jalen Wright and Ray Davis are going to be put to the test in this matchup. But the thing about Kentucky that drives me insane, Eric, and this is probably one of the most infuriating aspects of football, the inability to get off the field on third down. It drives me nuts whenever a defense is not able to put it into a drive where they have worked for three downs or two downs where you have really put the team in a position where like, all right, it's third and long. It's third and eight. You should be able to get off the field. Oh, there's a crosser over the middle. Linebacker gets beat first down. You barely get it. And then the drive continues. Kentucky has had that happen so many times this season against all sorts of opponents. Kentucky right now, if I'm not mistaken, is 13th in the SEC in opponent third down conversion percentage just above Vanderbilt. So you know what we're dealing with here. It's not been a phenomenal year for Kentucky. I believe they're in the bottom half of the SEC also in total defense statistically. And I think this really is partially a bit of a scheme issue while also you point to maybe losing some really talented pieces that have gone on to the NFL at linebacker and at edge over the past couple of seasons. Derek Jackson has been really solid. Maxwell Harrison has been really good as well. He has five interceptions on the season for Kentucky out of, I believe, their 11 total takeaways, which is something that they really struggled with a season ago. Uh, Trevin Wallace has kind of stepped in and been okay, I think, at times at linebacker. Uh, Kentucky's got some different pieces on this defense to where if you've been watching Kentucky football for quite some time, you recognize these names on this defense, but there's not been a whole lot of like phenomenal production especially from this linebacker group, J.J. Uh, Weaver, who, is, who has been a, a really good player and person uh, for the University of Kentucky for several seasons now. Uh, I believe he is currently seventh or eighth on the team in total tackles. He's just not been uh, producing as much as you would expect him to at this point in the season. So 
Uh, Kentucky right now is dealing with a little bit of a personnel and coaching issue, and it's a, it's forced them to kind of be statistically worse uh, than maybe where I would have pegged them to uh, to begin this year. So I think Kentucky is is somewhat fine, but Tennessee can absolutely pick and choose their spots here uh, in the passing game in this one. Uh, final st- uh, statistic here for you, Eric. Uh, Kentucky right now is 12th in the SEC in opponent completion percentage. And that's an area where, if I'm not mistaken, this Tennessee offense can be a little inconsistent with Joe Milton at the helm. So even though he is much better than where he was uh, early on in his career. So uh, I, that's an area that concerns me, Eric. That that may be the place where uh, I, I kind of pick and choose this game is Kentucky can't get off the field on third down. Their secondary has been susceptible at different points to the intermediate to short passing game. If Joe Milton can show some consistency, uh, then this game may be maybe wraps uh, midway through the third quarter. It, it's it's genuinely the biggest concern for me. Well, uh, to give Kentucky some reasons to uh, smile, I guess, or have some optimism, better phrased, um, Tennessee is so, so, so bad on fourth downs. It's incredible. Tennessee can't convert a fourth down. Tennessee entered the Alabama game three of ten, over three on fourth downs, two of which are on your own side of the 50 uh, with a lead in hand. Cool. It's a story for another day. Actually, it's Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. You can already go back and listen to that at Locked On Balls. Um, but anyway, yeah, um, in Tennessee, get this stat here. On fourth and two or shorter this season, Tennessee is one for six, 0 for five the last two weeks. It's been bad, man. It's been really, really bad. So there's that. You got a cornerback and, and Maxwell Harrison, who's a freaking stud for Kentucky, five interceptions, team leading 44 tackles. I mean, how does that even happen at cornerback? Um should be a good one. But again, like I said earlier, Joe Millen had a really good game last week. And so, you know, if you can find some consistency there, then yeah, Tennessee can score some points. I will right, we'll get uh we'll get final uh, score predictions, keys to victory, all that and more coming up next as we uh finish off a crossover, a locked on crossover edition with locked on balls and Locked On Kentucky. Do you want to say about our friends over at FanDuel? You can snap into the NFL season this year with America's number one sportsbook. That is FanDuel. Right now, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Again, $5 bet. You're going to get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. All you need is a $5 bet. Uh, I've been thinking about joining FanDuel. There's If, you're, if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, I've been on FanDuel for a while, uh, there's no better time to get in on all that action because, you know what, this NFL season, you can check out the spreads. You can check out the totals, those overs, those unders. Uh, but if you're new and thinking about joining uh, FanDuel, I encourage you to check out those player props. Individual receptions over under three in the hook. Maybe passing touchdowns over under two and a half. Maybe uh, receiving yards over under 45. You know, whatever the case is, those are fun and something easy to pay attention to throughout the football game. So you can get those player profit spreads, totals, and more. That's at FanDuel Sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. One more time, FanDuel.com slash locked on to kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Been a fun day on Locked On Crossover, Locked On Vols. I'm Eric Kane, Locked On Kentucky. That's Lance Stahl. We've been discussing the quarterbacks, the defense, the running back matchup, uh, two of the better running backs in the SEC, and so it's going to be fun to watch that happen at Kroger Field on Saturday. Uh, let's do get into keys to victory. Uh, Tennessee is a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. The total is a 51-and-a-half. We'll do score predictions and, and all that here in a moment. But, Lance, if Kentucky's going to pull off the upset at home, what needs to happen for Kentucky? 
Yeah, Devin Leary's got to actually do something in this game. I don't know if you know that meme where the guy's just kind of like poking at the rock and it's just like, come on, do something. My favorites. At some, at some point, I, I'm going to tweet out Devin Leary's face on that rock and just be like, <laughs> all right, dude, you got you got to find a way to get it done through the air. And I think part of that has to do with this receiving core stepping up. Again, I don't think this receiving core lacks for talent. I certainly don't think Liam Cohen is out here lacking whenever it comes to scheme. It's just simply comes down to the execution. Run your routes, run them correctly, catch the passes. It, that's also a bit been a bit a huge sticking point that we didn't even talk about. I believe Devin Leary actually leads the SEC in drop percentage, and then therefore the yards that would have been collected had those passes been caught. So Kentucky's got a lot of work to do in their passing game. And I don't necessarily know if they're going to figure it out considering we're heading into our eighth game of the season. But if Kentucky's going to pull off this upset, I think that's the first thing we got to start with outside of maybe a defensive takeaway here. Devin Leary has to be better because you may not be able to rely on Ray Davis running the football. Like we mentioned, both these teams pretty good at stopping the run. So if you are going to move the ball and score in this game, you got to be able to get your quarterback going. And it's just so frustrating at this point that you haven't been able to considering the situation. No one's hurt. Everything's fine. You just have to go out and execute. Offensive lineman Kenneth Horsey, he was back last game, right? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, he missed a lot. He came into the season with 33 straight starts, played the opener, and then missed five straight games. I think that's big for the offensive line that we've already mentioned for Kentucky that's most improved. Um, when I look at this game, it, it, it's pretty much just straight at you, right? Like it's in your face, uh, like from a Tennessee perspective. Um, you, you don't have a quarterback that's really dynamic on the other side. And again, anybody listens to Locked On Balls in the offseason talking about what's going to happen this season knows that I thought Devin Leary was going to be a stud. I mean, 2021, Devin Leary is one of the best quarterbacks in the country. I mean, he really was 35 touchdowns, five interceptions, dealt with an injury last year. Even before that injury, he was pretty good. And then so far this year, it just hasn't clicked. Now, Tennessee fans are saying, well, this Saturday, it's going to click, right? Uh, we'll see what happens. Hopefully not, right? But, um, <laughs> When I look at this matchup, like nothing is too dynamic. It's just kind of like straight at you. So for Tennessee, you just be who you are. Do what you do at a high level. I know that's coach speak. Run the football. Get back to running the football. Couldn't run the football in a traditional sense. Last year at Alabama, run the football. Get your tempo. Um, get get going the speed that you want to, and then let Joe Milton build off that. Because if you get the Joe Milton that was there in the first two quarters against Alabama, man, that's a really, really good Joe Milton that can win you a whole lot of football games. But you got to get Jay Wright going. You got to get this run game going, and you got to get that tempo going as well. Something with uh, Tennessee, Kentucky, the last couple of years, Tennessee has scored on explosive plays, a lot of yeah. explosive plays. You haven't seen Tennessee really drive and sustain long drives against Kentucky. It's going to be a challenge this year because that's who Tennessee is offensively. And then when you do that, you've got to finish. Tennessee just couldn't finish in the red zone last week. One for four in terms of scoring touchdowns in the red zone at Alabama, and you are not going to beat teams, good teams on the road in this league without finishing in the red zone. So be who you are offensively. Run the football. Let Joe Milton build off that, finish in the red zone. And um, you know, get, I think that if you score and you do what you're capable of, I'm not sure Kentucky on the other end is built to come from behind as well as uh, some other teams on, on Tennessee's schedule. Defensively, you just – I mean, you, you got to have your run fits. I mean, you, you got to play inside out. Um, I think gap integrity up front is going to be huge this week for Ray Davis. He's quick enough. His vision is is good enough to see those creases, shoot through those creases, and be off to the races. Um, I wouldn't say he's a dynamic speedster. Obviously, he's fast enough, but 
He's about 200, 220 pounds at five foot ten. He's a load. You got to hang on and, and and you know wait for some help to get there. But um, play inside out at linebacker. Gap integrity on the defensive line. Run fits are going to be key for the for the corners to set the edge and for the safeties to come up and help. Um, again, just kind of be who you are and see what happens. Final score predictions. Lance Daw, what do you think is going to happen, Tennessee and Kentucky, on Saturday at Kroger Field? Yeah, like you said, I think for Kentucky, the big thing here is just making sure that Joe Milton doesn't get into a rhythm, getting off the field on third down, and then allowing your own passing game to actually go out there and execute for once this season. I think that right now, I'm leaning towards Tennessee in this one. I just don't feel comfortable taking the Wildcats at home with the way that they're trending at the moment for Mark Stoops to make the comments that he has over the past couple of weeks after getting uh, absolutely destroyed in Athens and then frankly getting your, your head beat in at home against Missouri, who is a good team, somebody I did not expect to be very good this season. Same. Now you're at home against the Volunteers, and it's a team that's just mollywopped you, uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, a season ago. So I'm going to take the Vols in this one. I'm going to go 30-24. to 24. Uh, all the, I think Kentucky scores late to make this one close i think vault the vols do cover the spread there um but i think that at in the end of the day kentucky's not able to do consistently what we want them to do which is try and get off the field more often i don't know if kentucky's going to be creating a ton of turnovers in this one i think tennessee's going to end up being the, the team that shows that they have a little bit better of an identity on that side of the ball and then therefore they're able to establish it a little bit more yeah, I mean, I think that this is the game where Tennessee could be up multiple scores, but like you said, I think Kentucky could score late, make it a, make the final score look a little bit closer. I think Tennessee covers the three and a half, and Tennessee wins. Um, but for some reason, I mean, every time it's like when this game's in Knoxville, it could be noon, it could be you know three thirty, it could be or four o'clock SEC Network, it could be a night game. Um, when when this game is in Lexington, it's always at night. It's always cold. It's not going to be as cold this week, but it's always cold. And they're always close. And it's a matter of this play or that play. I remember in 2021, man, Will Levis, he was he was certainly not Will Levis in 2022. But, like, yeah. he really hadn't gotten going at that point. And then in the first half, he threw it 29 times. He was Will Levis was incredible in the first half against Tennessee back in 2021. Like, it's those types of games where somebody steps up, makes a play, and, and it comes down to the, to the nitty-gritty. But I, I just think I like Tennessee in this matchup. I think Tennessee... It matches up so well against Kentucky, and if you be who you are and run the football and and really stop the run, then I think Tennessee can win by multiple scores. So I'll say 35-21, but wouldn't be shocked if it's closer than that. I've got two things here for you, Eric. First okay. of all, if this was basketball season, we'd be having a significantly different conversation. A significantly different conversation. Thankfully, that's almost here uh, for us, and I'm very excited about that. The second thing you might have seen this. And this was a treat, uh, tweet from our friend Chris Marler. He had a fun fact about Josh Heupel and what Tennessee does coming off of losses. Underneath Heupel, Tennessee is 7-1 and one coming off a loss, and they average 51.8 points per game in those eight games and have a margin of, 30, of 38.3 in those seven contests as well. So Tennessee, after, uh, after catching, catching a loss, they normally rebound pretty strongly. So we'll see, we'll see what happens this weekend. It's a good way to end it if you're a Vol fan listening to this crossover edition for sure. Seven to one and scoring an average of fifty points. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Um again, it's it's always close on the road with Tennessee and Kentucky. So um, you know, not expecting anything different. So it should be a great environment at Kroger Field and and we'll see who comes out on top. That is Lance Daw for Locked On Kentucky. I am Eric Kane for Locked On Vols. You Kentucky fans, if you want to get a Vols perspective before the game, come listen to Locked On Vols. Same 
with Tennessee fans. You want a Kentucky perspective? Go listen to Lance Dahl here on a Friday and Saturday before the game. You have plenty of time to get all the preparation you need for Tennessee and Kentucky. That game's going to be at 7 o'clock on ESPN, and we will both be recapping it all for postcast. And, of course, um, as the uh, as, as, as the weekend goes on into Monday, we'll recap it from every single angle. Appreciate you guys for listening and watching to this Locked On Crossover Edition with Locked On Vols and Locked On Kentucky.